Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. Good morning, my name is Catherine Bruno, and I will be reading the scripture today. It's a good one. If you would like to follow along, it's in your red Pew Bible on the back, page four. In the back, page four, Matthew 5, 1 through 16. The Beatitudes. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people, when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. 
Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And now salt and light. You, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You, you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine. Let it shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to God and Thank you, choir and children and youth. One of, the, one of the things that is actually pretty amazing about getting to be here in body is that you can see all dimensions of this sanctuary. And, and I actually feel like I have one of the best seats in the house because I can see what's happening in the balcony too. And if you could have seen the, the party that was happening in the balcony during that 
music. Thank you, choir. And thank you, congregation. Will you pray with me now, please, the words of preparation which are printed in your bulletin? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. ever had a, an experience that you would describe as a mountaintop experience? Maybe it was a moment. Maybe it was a moment. Maybe it was a season. These are times when you feel like all is well and beauty fills your eyes and love surrounds you and the presence of God is right with you. And these times are often filled with a sense of hope or gratitude, or purpose, or joy, or all of the above. Well, when I was a youth, our youth group traveled to Tennessee to a United Methodist camp literally called Mountaintop. Maybe some of you have also been there. It was set in the Appalachian Mountains, and the week was similar to what our youth do when they go to Sierra Service Project. We were divided up into work teams with youth and leaders from other churches from around the country and sent out to do repairs and cleanup and construction in the hills and the communities in the area around the camp. I was between eighth grade and ninth grade. And my eighth grade year had been a bit rough. My father got remarried as the grade began, and though I can say without a doubt that my life and our whole family's life would have been greatly impoverished if that marriage had not happened, at the time, I was miffed. And it wasn't because I, I wasn't a fan of my stepmom. I could see even then how great she was. It was because the wedding date was just two weeks after I turned 13. <laughs> and I felt this milestone birthday of mine shouldn't be overshadowed in any way. And it was eighth grade. There's a reason why eighth grade is kind of a shorthand for a time of life that can feel awkward and lonely and confusing. So I arrived at Mountaintop with all of that baggage, and I was placed in a group of United Methodists, mostly from Mississippi. And on the drives back and forth to the work sites and through our conversations at night and the experiences we had, we, we grew closer, and we prayed together, and we worked together. And one evening, the subject of carrying around worry and burdens came up. And I, I shared uh, with our, our small group what I felt I was carrying. And all of the people from Mississippi said, why are you carrying that? Don't you know that you can give those burdens over to Jesus? Well, I, I came from the Midwest. My, my church was in Kansas City. That's where I grew up. And so some people, you know, that I guess technically is the Bible Belt, but my church was kind of a center progressive United Methodist Church, and we didn't really talk about giving our burdens over to Jesus. So, so that was a new idea for me. 
And I said, really? And they said, yeah. All you have to do is ask Jesus to carry that burden for you. And I thought, well, gosh, this is heavy. So that's got to be worth a try. And that night I prayed and asked Jesus to hold what was weighing on me. And in the morning, I did feel lightened. I did feel different. And I did discover something new and wonderful about being a Christian. So transformed, I went home a new person. I started reading my Bible more and even listening to Christian radio. I had a new confidence and a new freedom and a new commitment to be a better person and a better Christian. Our scripture today from Matthew also takes place on a mountaintop. And Jesus has just begun his public ministry and he's just called the first disciples. He's moving around throughout the countryside of Galilee, teaching and healing. People are beginning to hear and large crowds are beginning to follow him. When the scripture tells us that he goes up to the mountaintop to preach, I think this is both a literal and figurative description. They are in a high place and those who are hearing him for the first time or just at the beginning of their following him are on a high. They have heard some transforming words. They have learned that he will carry them and their burdens and perhaps their lives have been literally saved. Jesus begins what is known as the Sermon on the Mount with the words that are now some of the most familiar from the Bible. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. It was a mountaintop message for a mountaintop moment. But here's the thing about mountaintop moments and the good intentions fueled by the exhilaration that comes with them, they're hard to sustain when the moment fades or when new distractions or challenges arise. I'm guessing you know what this is like. We're now ending the, the, we're nearing the end of January. Maybe you made some resolutions with the new year and started off well. How's it going? Is your stamina fading, or are you in the place you hoped you would be by the end of January? I remembered that mountaintop-fueled zeal that I had as a young teen in the summer between eighth and ninth grade, and, and then school started, and I got busy, and I missed that purity of focus I had had in the summer. Something had shifted. When we hear the Beatitudes, we often hear the words following blessed are as a set of identities, the poor in spirit, which can be understood to be those who are in solidarity with the poor, or the meek, or those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, identities that are attained and established 
as I had expected my identity as a newly uh, enlightened Christian to be. But, but perhaps what Jesus was preaching was the, the first step toward these ways of being, a mountaintop confidence that led to the capacity to live into the hope of those identities. You have probably heard the saying, be careful with your thoughts, for your thoughts become your words. Be careful with your words, for your words become your actions. Be careful with your actions, for your actions become your habits. Be careful with your habits, for your habits become your character. And be careful with your character, for your character becomes your destiny. Did you notice how habits are at the center of the chain? In the book, Atomic Habits, maybe you've heard of this book or read this book, James Clear discusses the building blocks that lead to new habits. And the way habits lead to a new way of being consistent with how we hope to live. Clear says that one of the keys to forming new habits is to claim an identity. For instance, if you, if you hope to develop a new habit of running regularly, instead of saying, I'm hoping to get back into running, or I'm trying to get on a schedule of jogging, say, I'm a runner. Each line of our scripture this morning begins with the words, blessed are. These are an acknowledgement of an identity, a way of being, a way of living. And you might be thinking, well, I'm okay with my identity, including hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And I'm okay with merciful. I'm okay with pure in heart. But what about the line that begins, blessed are those that mourn? Does that need to be my identity? My guess is that we often think of mourning as a period that we go through and then are done with. But the reality is that humans do mourn regularly and over and over again. We experience loss. And while there are times that we uh, are not actively mourning, loss will come again. And the only way to move through this loss is to mourn. And what Jesus is trying to tell us is that these are habits and identities of humans. And in all things, Jesus is present with us, comforting, showing mercy, bringing us into a new reality, the kingdom of God. Of all the identities that we hold, and of all of their dimensions, is there one identity that's most important to you? What if that identity was simply Christian? Why do we move away from these habits and identities that lead to life itself? Why do we forget who and whose we are? A while back, Facebook Chief Operating Officer Sheryl Sandbook published a popular book called Lean In. 
encouraging women to take risks and accept new roles and identities, mostly to get in ahead in business, but also to get the life they, we want. And while there may be some value in some situations to leaning in, I think Jesus is telling us the opposite in the Beatitudes. What we are hearing here is lean back, trust. It's not a coincidence that the first step of the 12 steps is about leaning back into the reality of what is and then trusting that a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity. At the mountaintop camp I attended as a youth, one of the exercises we did in our group was called the trust fall. Maybe you've experienced this yourself, but the, the process is to, uh, to be in a group and one person um, ascends uh, a, a, higher, a higher level. Maybe it's a ledge or maybe it's a table. And then you turn facing away from your group and your group stands behind you with their arms stretched out in a line and you fall back. You have to trust that your group will catch you. And it was not uncommon for someone to, to be the, you know, the person who was supposed to fall and they start to fall and then they step back to catch themselves instead of free falling into the arms of others. But the feeling of letting go, of fully releasing and giving over to someone else, if we can have the courage to do it, if we can give over control and then being caught, well, that feeling was amazing, a blessing, blessed. And an embrace of an identity as one who trusts and is held. It was a bodily reminder that we could give over our burdens to Jesus, to God. The refrain to one of the songs we sang at Mountaintop was, I'd love to live on a mountaintop. But the refrain ended with, but I've got to come down from the mountaintop to the people in the valley below, or they'll never know that they can go to the mountain of the Lord. Well, who do you know who needs to know that they're blessed? Who do you know who needs to know that they can trust, that they can give over their own burdens to Jesus, to God? Who do you know who needs to hear that their identity is one of blessing and being held and comforted and brought into life-giving community, whatever they experience? May we embrace the identities that fuel the habits that help us to continue to hear the voice of God and walk in the way that leads to life. Rejoice and be glad. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are yours. Amen.
You've been listening to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week. Though they fall, they'll never know 
Kingdom is yours.